0: The following sermon is from 5th Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of 5th Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with 5th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Listen now, for God's word to you, as it echoes from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 4, beginning with the sixth verse. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Damas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for for he's useful in my ministry. I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will pay him back for his deeds. You also must beware of him, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever, amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained in Corinth Trophimius, I left ill in Maletes, do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a quirky passage. Today's text is not a careful theological treatise honed over time. It's a personal communique, scratched on hard to come by parchment. It's a note written by a prisoner, an urgent letter addressed to his assistant and friend. The early church preserved this letter I suppose they kept everything that had Paul's autograph on it, but this one is a little surprising. There's not much poetry here. It rambles. Listening to it, you might think, well, Second Timothy could sure use a good editor. The letter contains long lists of names, Trivial requests and and snarky asides. Uh, I bet Paul would be astonished and and more than a little self-conscious to discover that we took this letter, a, a personal message composed during a dark time in the apostle's life and stitched it into our holy book. What did the early church see in 2 Timothy? I wonder... I wonder if it was passion. Today's passage rides a a sort of emotional roller coaster. It it starts with self-pity, a little woe is me. I've been poured out like a glass of wine spilled on the altar. Who can blame the guy? Paul is alone. He's sitting in a Roman prison. I, I think Rembrandt's depiction of the apostle in his cell brings this scene home to us. Here's somebody sensing that the end, his his life's end, is near. There's nothing left for me to do. I'm finished. The time of my departure is come. But then, shaking off these dark thoughts, Paul's tone changes. He begins to speak with a sense of accomplishment. He compares himself to an Olympic athlete, a a boxer, a, a marathon runner. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I can picture the laurel wreaths, the Greeks award to their runners. And I know God will be waiting at the end of the race with a crown of righteousness for me. It's a confident image, a hopeful image but it does not take away Paul's underlying angst. Even as the apostle pens these strong words, a chill wind blows through his cell. He has confidence in God, but he's also cold, lonely, and afraid. Again, the letter pivots. Paul moves from heavenly thoughts to earthly cries. He he pleads with Timothy, Do your best to come to me soon. And then, sadly, maybe even pathetically, Paul begins to list all the people who have abandoned him. Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens is playing video games somewhere in Galatia. Titus is hanging out with his drinking buddies in Dalmatia. All of a sudden, this text sounds like a voicemail from a, from a depressed grandpa, someone who's trying to guilt you into visiting over the holidays. When you come, as I'm sure you will, Paul continues, I, I need you to bring a few things. Uh, Pick up my cloak. The weather's turning cold. Don't don't forget my my books and, and Parchment, especially the parchment so I can keep writing letters keep connecting to the outside world Oh, oh and speaking of the outside world Don't forget to stay away from Alexander the coppersmith. He did me great harm Nowadays Parents and teachers tell children not to post things on Facebook that they will later regret. The internet, we repeat with a serious tone, is forever. Someone should have told Paul, parchment is forever. He inks a disparaging comment about Alexander the coppersmith in the corner of a letter, and we enshrine it for all time in holy scripture. Does this seem strange to you? How is bring my cloak from Troas, the word of God for you, the people of God? That's a really good question. Today's text is messy. In it, Paul vacillates between confidence and insecurity, between sounding prayerful and sounding petty, between dictating a list of supplies and wondering if anyone out there remembers me. I used to brush past passages like this. How can a text like this possibly be holy? I didn't see the point of it. Now though, I suppose the reverse is true. The pops and squeaks in the floorboards of this text make it feel more real and more relevant to my faith. Uh, Listening to Paul rattle off the the strange names in this text conveys not distance but kinship. Here's a man who who values his friends and and who misses them keenly. Uh, Sure he trusts that God will someday welcome him home but right now the Apostle is just plain lonely. His, His final words to Timothy will break your heart. Do your best to come before winter. Is it any wonder that the early church preserved this letter? Anyone who's ever felt tired and discouraged has to nod at these words. Here's Paul, the The apostle, a man who trusts deeply in God, facing soul-crushing adversity alone. Does he rise above it with supernatural poise? No, he does what any normal person would do. He cries out for his friends. Come before winter, come before the icy winds blow the last leaves from the trees come before my days in the cell are over come so that I may see you one last time hold your hand look in your eyes laugh at old stories come before it's all over come now or never come before winter Of course, those early Christians kept Paul's letter, copied it, passed it around to friends. It's a cry for help, sacred, human, and true. Come before winter. In 1928, London hymn writer, Eleanor Fargian wrote an advent poem and set it to a lively French tune. The words and the music were well paired. People Look East quickly became a popular carol. It remains one of our favorite Advent hymns here. In the lyrics, Fargian imagines people making their hearts and their homes ready for the coming of Christ. And this year, this carol, People Look East, is going to accompany us on our journey through Advent we're going to consider a new verse of the carol every week all the way to Christmas. Today, I have the first verse in my mind's eye. People look east, the time is near, of the crowning of the year. Make your house fair as you are able. Trim the hearth and set the table. People look east and sing today. Love the guest is on the way the five verses of this carol all end with the same promise love is on the way each verse however pictures love's arrival in a different manner the first verse describes love as a guest i like this image it reminds me of a table blessing a a, a grace my family used to say when i was a youth come lord jesus Be our guest. Let these gifts to us be blessed. Amen. It was short and sweet, perfect for hungry teens. It's also a pretty good reminder of the many occasions in the Good Book when Jesus sits down to eat in people's homes. In these stories, Jesus is always the guest. He doesn't do the cooking, or offer the hospitality. Instead, Christ enters homes where hosts have already trimmed the hearth and and set the table. And he brings a blessing. Jesus enters their lives as a guest, a guest who comes carrying the love of God. In fact, this is Christ's ministry in a nutshell. He's forever on the lookout for homes and hearts to visit. And he repeatedly challenges his followers to do the same. Christ urges the disciples to to visit, to visit the lonely and the lost, to visit people in prison and folk who have given up hope, to visit those souls the rest of society has decided are not worth visiting. And this takes me back to the Apostle Paul. In 2 Timothy, we find Paul sitting in a prison cell, pining for a visit from Timothy or from any of his friends. His loneliness is palpable. His poignant request could easily be the refrain for our time. Come before winter. How many souls separated from loved ones by this pandemic have prayed a prayer like this? How many men and women in prison right now, people like the apostle, have prayed this prayer, wanting some contact, any contact with the outside world, with a loved one, with a friend? How many of us, in low moments, tired of waiting, have prayed for respite, Prayed for a kind word. Prayed for someone to arrive with good news. Come before winter. Come today and not tomorrow. Come when called. Do not be like Damos in love with the world. Do not delay. It's Advent, my friends. In this holy season, we wait for God. And in this holy season, we cannot forget those who wait for a visitor, for a guest, for someone to call or knock or write us a note. We cannot forget those who wait for us. This Advent, let us commit to making contact with those who wait. And let us carry the love of God with us as we go. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit strengthen and guide you on every step of this Advent journey. Amen.